verdict upon it. You have heard the testimony of the state's witnesses. The confession of Peter Keating has made clear that Howard Rourke is a ruthless egoist who has destroyed Cortland Holmes for his own selfish motive. The issue which you are to decide is the crucial issue of our age. Has man any right to exist if he refuses to serve society? Let your verdict give us the answer. The state rests. The defense may proceed. Your Honor, I shall call no witnesses. This will be my testimony and my summation. Take the oath. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? I do. Thousands of years ago, the first man discovered how to make fire. He was probably burned at the stake he had taught his brothers to light, but he left them a gift they had not conceived, and he lifted darkness off the earth. Throughout the centuries, there were men who took first steps down new roads, armed with nothing but their own vision. The great creators, the thinkers, the artists, the scientists, the inventors, stood alone against the men of their time. Every new thought was opposed. Every new invention was denounced. But the men of unborrowed vision went ahead. They fought, they suffered, and they paid, but they won. No creator was prompted by a desire to please his brothers. His brothers hated the gift he offered. His truth was his only motive. His work was his only goal. His work, not those who used it. His creation, not the benefits others derived from it. The creation which gave form to his truth. He held his truth above all things and against all men. He went ahead, whether others agreed with him or not, with his integrity as his only banner. He served nothing and no one. He lived for himself. And only by living for himself was he able to achieve the things which are the glory of mankind. Such is the nature of achievement. Man cannot survive except through his mind. He comes on earth unarmed. His brain is his only weapon. But the mind is an attribute of the individual. There is no such thing as a collective brain. The man who thinks must think and act on his own. The reasoning mind cannot work under any form of compulsion. It cannot be subordinated to the needs, opinions, or wishes of others. It is not an object of sacrifice. The creator stands on his own judgment. The parasite follows the opinions of others. The creator thinks, the parasite copies. The creator produces, the parasite loots. The creator's concern is the conquest of nature. The parasite's concern is the conquest of man. The creator requires independence. He, he neither serves nor rules. He deals with men by free exchange and voluntary choice. The parasite seeks power. He wants to bind all men together in common action and common slavery. He, he claims that man is only a tool for the use of others. That he must think as they think, act as they act, and live in selfless, joyless servitude to any need but his own. Look at history. Everything we have, every great achievement has come from the independent work of some independent mind. Every horror and destruction came from attempts to force men into a herd of brainless, soulless robots without personal rights without personal ambition, without will, hope, or dignity. It is an ancient conflict. It has another name. 
the individual against the collective. Our country, the noblest country in the history of men, was based on the principle of individualism, the principle of man's inalienable rights. It was a country where a man was free to seek his own happiness, to gain and produce, not to give up and renounce. What's up? Can you hear me All okay? Right, hi there. Um, it's coming across kind of like a robot sound. Hopefully it'll come through. Okay. I bet Safe. it'll iron out. Yeah. Let's see. Um, you sound great and you look good. Congratulations. You can hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Your voice is coming through as a robot sound. Um, okay. No. Now I can hear you. Oh, good, good. Okay, we worked okay, it out. There we go. Yeah, sorry. I had to scramble and get my uh, little phone tripod because I'm on my phone here. And That's that okay. The background isn't what I, I had it all set up. And now you oh, it looks awesome. That's the most patriotic room I've seen. Yeah, it is. I, you know, my whole room here, um, I go to sleep thinking about Davy Crockett over here <laughs> and the Wild West right here with my dead cow head and my eagle sculpture up there. I love That's awesome. I love the Wild West. So my whole bedroom is uh, pioneer themed because I grew up Mormon. So yeah. I just love like the 1800s. Have you ever seen the show Bonanza? I've never seen Bonanza, but I'm familiar with it. I mean, it's famous. Why are you a communist? <laughs> I just on. haven't had the opportunity to see it. I like the Wild West, man. I play Red Dead Redemption 2 all the time. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so well, I to be here. Yeah, thank you so much for hopping on. You're rocking the Britney shirt today too. Oh, and I don't know if you can see it, but I I made myself a little name tag that says "Free Britney." I have loved that woman since she came out, and what's happening right before our eyes is it's terrifying. Like I yeah. can't even believe what's happening after her testimony and the fact that as soon as she was done saying, "I'm traumatized," "I'm abused," "This is like sex trafficking," "I'm drugged." She went right back under the control of the people she was um, trying to escape. She called 911 the night before. Oh, man. That's yeah, it goes, terrible. It goes so much deeper than just the conservatorship. It's like the Illuminati and the occult and abuse and all that. And I don't care if I sound like a conspiracy theorist, because as we have seen in this country, conspiracy theories are no longer conspiracy theories after about one year. Yeah, no kidding. Well, yeah. and it, people think that conspiracy theories have a negative connotation, but people are conspiring always. So <laughs> that's all a conspiracy theory is, is that a group of people got together and they tried to make things play out in a certain way. Absolutely. Know? And we have the we have the global elitists who are in charge of the media. They're in charge of celebrities. They're in charge of um Pop stars like that black guy who came out dressed up as Satan, whatever his little. Oh, name. I forget his name. Was yeah, like, no, I know exactly who you're talking about. The little something, little. I don't I can't little, remember. Little, I don't even know. But you know what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. the satanic occult uh, evil is like right in front of our faces, and it's not a conspiracy theory. So, <clears throat> free Britney and not today, Satan. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember? Um, uh, did you ever see that movie Love and Mercy about Brian Wilson from the Beach Boys? Had a no, John Cusack but I've, I've, I've extensively watched documentaries about the Beach Boys, and uh, yeah. he, was he the one who was with Charles Manson? Um, you know, I don't know enough to tell you. He was the one that had the schizophrenia and the mental health issues. Yeah, and I think that he was in a situation. The Britney thing kind of reminds me of that because I think he was in a situation where his psychiatrist 
was basically calling all the shots with what houses he could buy and what was happening with his money. And it's like, uh, you know, I I understand, I understand how, um, you know, there's problems with mental illness in that once somebody becomes an adult, you can't force them to take their medicine anymore. But at at the same time, it's like, you can't have, you don't want to ever be in a situation where healthy people are just totally being taken advantage of by, you know, mom, momagers. Even if you have made terrible mistakes, like I'm no feminist, but I will point out the discrepancy between Charlie Sheen and Britney Spears. He has total, he is a wacko, total freedom to do whatever he wants, makes all his decisions. And Britney Spears is under control, but yeah. So anyway, I know we have other things to talk about, but anybody watching this, Please go on Twitter, go on Facebook, tweet at Britney Spears, tweet at Matt Gates because we need to free this woman. She doesn't want to work anymore. Her manager just said she wants to retire. Britney wants to drive pickup trucks in Louisiana and smoke cigarettes. And I want <laughs> God bless. So and uh, we can talk about something else if you want, but I, I I'm still not done with this Britney story yet because oh, it's, so fast, it's, it's so fast. It's so fascinating to me. I'm glad, I'm glad we're actually talking about this because I have my whole collection of Britney Spears merchandise. Oh my God, you're her insane. Fan club from 1999 and her unauthorized biographies that I read. Like, I love, wow. I, look how cute she was. She was this innocent Southern girl. And she, we got to get her on the podcast. What's that? We got to get her on the podcast, the three oh of God. us. Wouldn't that be amazing if when she actually is free, because she said she wants to do interviews, she wants to share the truth. And Oprah and all those people are part of the system that oppressed her. So maybe she will come on your podcast. Maybe she'll come on my podcast. Yeah, that'd be oh, awesome. tell me about your podcast. What's that? Do you have, you have a podcast? Tell me about it. Oh, yeah. Um, if you go to LadyMagaUSA.com, and then there's a little tab, you can go to podcast. Oh, yeah. I'm on episode 37. Congratulations. And the president of Pro-Life Utah, Joy Villa, Gothics, um, uh, celebrities who've left the left, and a Border Patrol police officer. And a lot of people are like, oh, Lady Maga USA is a joke. Uh, he's just doing this for attention. I'm like, no, if you listen to my podcast, you will see that I legitimately um, am in this cause for America. And I just yeah. drag basically as a visual gimmick to defy the leftists because nothing makes them more angry than a drag queen for Trump. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Except maybe Caitlyn Jenner. (laughs) I know. Good old Caitlyn. You know what? If you're an adult and you want to be transgender and cut off your kahunis, none of my business. Just don't ask me to pay for it and keep away from kids with all that drugs and all that. But Caitlyn, Mm -hmm. you know what? Anyone who stands up against Gavin Newsom, and gets canceled the way that Caitlyn has been. Because everybody always asks me about that because they think I'm transgender. I'm like, nope, hairy chest. I am not a woman. I'm just a theatrical person. And I love to dress up. And I love to just draw attention to the cause by being a drag queen who's a conservative. But you know what? Caitlyn Jenner so far speaking up for businesses, speaking out against the COVID-1984 lockdowns, speaking out against Gavin Newsom. So power to her. And I will call her her as long as I'm not... As long as I'm not <clears throat> legislated into calling her her, as long as it's my personal choice. And that's where it gets dangerous is they make it illegal for someone mm-hmm. to call him him. So I, I skirt the issue and just call that person Caitlin. You know? I'm still here, by the way. I just had to reset my camera. Oh, so, um, 
so uh yeah I'm, I'm with you on that i'm a i'm a fan of uh caitlin jenner i just think it's a it's a big troll and you know i don't think that she's a grifter she gets kind of accused of being a grifter and i i don't think so and uh, people say oh she's just trying to get attention and you don't do you don't go that far just for attention there are other ways to get attention okay you know i told i believe the whole the, thing's right on the money this person was on the cover of vanity fair he has she has millions and millions of dollars that they've already he's already mm. shit, sorry she has already experienced fame and fortune as an athlete and an outspoken transgender woman Okay, what? Why would they be a grifter trying to get attention and money? Especially, I I don't know how old she is, but she's older. So I think, um, kind of like Donald Trump, you know, he was a he was a fame monster. He had his Apprentice show and all of that. But I think as they get older, they truly have an awakening of what really matters in life, and that's why Donald Trump stepped forward and was like, you know what, I got to do this for my son Barron. I got to do this for my grandkids. And he became a more serious, motivated person who tried to save America. And I think the same thing is true with Caitlin. You know, she lives in California. She's seen the devastation. And um, define grifter. What does Caitlin Jenner have to gain by running for governor? And to say attention? No. Caitlin could have all the attention she wants. Go on CNN. Talk about trans issues. If she really wanted attention, she would champion the whole transgender movement for children and she'd be a hero. She'd be back on the cover of Vanity right, Fair. Right. She, she has sacrificed every opportunity for real fame. And I guarantee her very life is at risk at this point because mine is too. I get messages saying the Mexicans in West Valley, Utah, we know where you live. And so imagine Caitlin now that she betrayed the LGBT rainbow Gestapo the same way I did. I'm sure it's even worse. So anyway, power to Caitlin. You know what? So have, have you always been conservative minded or is that, was there a, a switch that flipped for you? I was raised conservative. I was raised to love my country. I was raised Mormon. Actually, coincident. Here's my picture at Brigham Young University. The Mormon. Looking good. College. Yeah, looking good. Oh, where does time go? Anyway, so I was raised Mormon. I'm an Eagle Scout, definitely raised with conservative values. But after I came out of the closet and uh, walked away from Mormonism, I definitely identified with the liberals because I thought they were the sure. only ones who would accept me. So I met Al Gore. I met Tipper Gore because I was heavily involved in the human rights campaign, which is a very uh, deceitful name because they're just LGBT. They're not human rights. But mm -hmm. I, you know, I went, they flew me, I was in college and they flew me to DC, put me up in a hotel, gave me a limo because I was, uh, I was in leadership at my, my uni university of Utah, where I transferred after I left the, the Mormon university. So I definitely thought that, oh, I'm a liberal and I loved, I loved the VIP treatment as this ex-Mormon gay man who went through so much and i went to conversion therapy and then you know did they, they send you to conversion therapy for real um the mormon church did not officially send me to conversion therapy um <clears throat> a family member convinced me to go to a conversion therapist uh of our own accord and he wasn't a monster he wasn't like doing electroshock or whatever you hear about mm -hmm. but he definitely thought that you know you can just marry a woman and and we'll work this out. And the irony of this is the LGBTQIA++ rainbow Gestapo 
is constantly, <laughs> they're constantly harping on the conversion therapy. It's so evil. No conversion therapy. But they're also telling you you're heterosexual, right? Yeah. Yeah. Can't they're you also, tell? Well, yeah. Yeah, a little bit. But, <laughs> but you never know these days. You know, everybody's LGBTQIA+. For all I know, you're going to be one of those plus people. Which means <laughs> but they go against conversion therapy. And they're at the same time telling you, a heterosexual man, that you are transphobic if you don't want to date a transgender woman, meaning a transgender woman is exactly the same as a biological woman. Right. And you're transphobic if you won't date them. It's the same thing like within the gay community. They're like, unless you're willing to date a transgender woman of color, your preferences for a biological man. And, you know, on the on the on the dating sites like Match.com, they usually include race or whatever. And if you mm -hmm. fall in love with only Asian people or only black people or only white people, that's just your feelings. It doesn't mean you're racist, but they want to cancel conversion therapy and yet perform their own conversion therapy on everybody in regards to their sexual orientation and their sexual feelings. It's just, it's nonsensical. They're such hypocrites. Yeah, that's, that's wild. Um, I, it, it, we don't have to talk about it if you don't want to, but I'm really fascinated with the whole conversion therapy thing. Yeah, um, anything, uh, just, look. there was that, um, uh, the great movie. I can't remember what it was called, but it had, um, Nicole uh, Kidman? It was, uh, maybe it had Russell Crowe in it. Russell Crowe was the dad and he was a preacher and he sent the son yeah. to conversion therapy, but it was like a camp, uh, yeah. where he went for like two weeks or whatever. And, you know, I think there's a difference between, seeing it obviously i don't i don't think that conversion therapy is uh, effective or legitimate um but I th there's a difference between sending somebody to a camp where they're just kind of shamed for who they are and feel like they have to go deeper into the closet versus like hey you know i i have a moral problem with some of these feelings that i'm having so i want to see somebody to see if i can work through it you know what i mean and so i'm not by any means an advocate for conversion therapy but i don't think it's like necessarily some bigoted thing because if you have if you're you know a devout mormon and you're feeling guilty about these natural feelings that you're having then it makes sense that you would try to seek help I, you know you have we have to be empathetic for all sorts of people even if we don't have the same values and I know, um, well, look at Milo Yiannopoulos, who hates me, by the way. He's always on Telegram, like, posting really unflattering pictures of me. And he says, Lady Maga will be the first to hang. And if I knew that what I started would result in Lady Maga USA and Rob Smith, I would have killed myself. He, he, but he says, I'm no longer a homosexual. I'm a reformed homosexual. And I know people who are in heterosexual marriages, and they're Mormon. And they have kids and they're living their life. And I believe that as long as the woman they marry is aware that I'm married to somebody who is homosexual. Um, and I think they base their relationship more on, on friendship. And I don't even know, but it's none of my business. So I, I do defend and support people who say that because of my religious faith, my religious faith is more important to me than my sexuality and they'll, they'll marry a woman. Personally, that was the path that I was on and I was dating a friend of mine and I loved her dearly, but I loved her like a sister and I wanted to do her hair more than I wanted to do her, which is a problem for <laughs> a woman in right. a relationship. So um, that's where I drew the line because um, I think that for me, at least a woman who was in love with me 
deserves uh, romantic, physical, and sexual um, attraction for her to be fully happy. That being said, and I broke up before I came out of the closet, but that being said, if I told her that and she said, you know what, let's go forward with this. I love you. Let's have a family. And as long as you don't cheat on me, I'm going to marry you. So I do know people who are in that situation and I don't judge them. What I do judge is when people use them as an example of what every gay person should do. Cause mm-hmm. it's just not realistic. And quite frankly, women should not be out there marrying gay men. They should be marrying nice alpha strong men who are going to own guns and shoot the commies if necessary, you know? So that's, that's kind of on that. So what's it like when you go to your first session with a conversion therapist, you just walk in and they're like, listen, I've been doing this for years and I've turned so many of you guys straight. Don't worry. We're going to get through that. Like, how does it, how does that conversation go? <laughs> Didn't say that. I saw a couple of different religious counselors and mm-hmm. they, they bring up uh, the apostle Paul and the thorn in his side. And yeah. many, many religious scholars believe that the thorn in his side was actually homosexual feelings. So um, they just sort of coach you. And there are a lot of theories as, as to what, the origins of homosexual feelings are, you know, overbearing mother or lack of a father figure or all that kind of stuff. And I was a really late bloomer. Um, Like I had a girl voice till I was like 16. It was (laughs) humiliating. But um, they told me that, you know, because you are such a late bloomer, you developed um, an infatuation with the male body as you got older and that was the ultimate ideal to you because you were this nerdy late bloomer. And I I was like, Oh, okay. Like I'll go along with this. Let's explore this. And they told me, you know, you should date your, your friend and you do not discuss this issue with her. And unfortunately her father left their family because he's a homosexual. And I realized at that moment, like, I'm not doing this to somebody. I have no guarantee that I'll be able to suppress these feelings forever. And I don't want to get married and have kids and then leave a family. To me, that was the greater sin. And thou shalt not bear false witness. And I really felt like if I went forward with that, it would be it, it would be a certain level of dishonesty and lying. And I'm honest to a T. That's one of the things I'm proud of. I'm not proud that I'm gay. I am proud that I'm honest. So it was, a, it was a very rough road. And also at that time in my life, I was just, I just really felt like I can be gay and still be a moral upstanding person. And I don't, I don't sleep around. Um, I don't, I believe that promiscuity is dangerous and harmful, whether you're gay or straight. And I try to hold on to the moral foundation that I was given as a Mormon and use that to keep me safe, to keep me happy. And, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for that upbringing, but I, you know, I'm gay and I'm not attracted to women and I'm not going to lie to some lady and try to convince her to go along with me so that I feel better about myself. It just, it just didn't feel right. So I came out of the closet and I left Brigham Young University and that's the Mormon college. And they make you sign an honor code where, you know, there are all the rules, the moral, no, 
no members of the opposite sex in your dorms, no drinking, no smoking, no partying. And they have the, the sexual moral code as well that everyone is expected mm-hmm. to follow. And I signed it and I wasn't willing to um, adhere to all of their. Uh, I, shouldn't, I should never assign that thing. I really need a blow job. <laughs> oh, 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 no, oh my gosh. No. Any of, followers, any of my followers who just saw that, I'm sorry. Cause I tried to even derate it. But, oh, I'm uh, sorry. I, I apologize. <laughs> no, 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 you're totally fine. But yeah, that's not, that's not what I was feeling. I, was I know. Just I was just trying to tease you. I would, I would like to pursue, you know, a same sex relationship when the opportunity comes up and my honor and my honesty is more important than my sexual satisfaction. So the analogy I use is if you're director of a university for vegetarians, okay. Mm -hmm. And you make everybody sign an honor code when they go to your university on your scholarships that you gave them, because the Mormon church gives a lot of money so people can go to that school um, heavily subsidized by Mormon tithing money. So if you go to a school for vegetarians and you sign the honor code and you're getting money from vegetarians who really believe in vegetarianism and you're eating McDonald's hamburgers on the weekend, there's nothing wrong with McDonald's. Well, there's everything wrong with McDonald's. Right. Right. But um, yeah, you're, 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 um, you're infringing upon um, the agreement that you have with these people exactly. that are helping so you out. So. I decided to just leave and it was a total downgrade because I was in the journalism program and BYU was top 10 in the nation. Every graduate would get an internship at like David Letterman and Fox News. They would just rise to the top and they recruit very heavily at BYU, just like the military. Because who doesn't want a good Mormon guy working for him? Of course. I mean, we're all bilingual. I served my mission in France and I lived in Ecuador. I speak uh, Spanish, French, and I would have been totally recruitable and i went to um the university of utah and their program was just it was it was nothing compared to byu but my integrity was more important and uh i'm glad i'm not a news anchor anyway that would have been yeah i would have just been spewing the lies so how many people did you convert to mormonism when you were doing your mission in france oh um off the top of my head not very many um, I converted a lot of African immigrants, but they'll kind of go along with like anything. And so they they would join and we'd be best friends, you know, the nice elder missionaries and everything's great. But as soon as we would leave that area, they would just leave the church. But there are Vanessa, Ingrid, there are a few people that I, I did convert so to speak and i baptized mm-hmm. them and they're still in the mormon church and god bless them i'm glad they have yeah. that community i'm glad that that faith brings them joy and strength because their lives were terrible before they found the mormon church and i'm just happy that they're happy and i don't regret it for one minute it was so a great learning experience taught me to get out of bed at six in the morning and go knock on the doors of strangers and i was spit on i was hated and that's great because now I deal with the same thing as Lady Maga USA and I'm not afraid of confrontation or being rejected and I'll, I'll speak the truth no matter what. Back then I believed that I was preaching the gospel truth of the church and sure. now um, I'm just preaching the truth of uh, America 
the greatest country in the history of humanity. <laughs> yeah, so I, I wanted to ask, um, you know, you mentioned that you sort of sympathized with the left for a while after you um, came out. Um, what switched you sort of back to the conservatism, MAGA movement type mentality? What, what was sort of, what were some of the things that changed your mind? Yeah, your voice is coming through as a robot, but I think I read your lips. Um, (laughs) Read my lips, no new taxes. (laughs) But um, I think what you were asking is what pushed me back to the conservative side after identifying as a liberal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'm coming through clear, right? You are. Okay, so um, Donald Trump. It was Donald Trump. Because I I did vote conservative before I came out as a conservative, but I clearly did not want to express my views because I viewed myself as a member of the so-called LGBT community. And um, I didn't want to lose those friendships. I didn't want to lose that safety net, which was not a safety net looking back. Um, I, I, I started my drag artistry in 2016 and I love to perform. And I, I grew up performing and singing and dancing since I was a tiny tot. I've always been a theatrical person. So the drag world really was an opportunity for fashion, hair, makeup, dancing, choreography, lip syncing, theater. So I joined it. And at every show, every show, they would do something really uh, sexually explicit And being the Mormon boy at heart that I am, I never felt fully comfortable with it. But I thought, I'm adding light to the darkness. And and my performances were like Britney Spears or um, Disney Princess or whatever Mm -hmm. it was. And it was all, like I say, I like to keep my drag um, uplifting and and not sexualized. But as the, the election came up with Donald Trump, I was in a show a professional show. I was paid to be a professional Britney Spears impersonator and a Rapunzel impersonator from the film Tangled and did elaborate numbers and I loved it. But in every show, the host would bash Donald Trump. And then Mm. I would do other shows in Utah, uh, professional shows where I was paid. And at my very last one, I did Carrie Underwood, Jesus Take the Wheel, Cowboy Casanova, and Before He Cheats with a lot of choreography and I went up to the dressing room and on the wall, there was this giant poster and it said F Trump. And I realized at that moment, I am back in the closet, even worse than I was as a gay Mormon. I was back in the closet a hundred percent. I could never wear this to a rehearsal. I could never express my appreciation for what Donald Trump was saying and presenting in the election. I could never express that I was happy when he won because I knew I would be rejected. I did not know that I would be rejected and persecuted on the level that I was because I made a video with a split screen and this was my former drag persona, Rihanna Woods. This was my Lady Maga and I did a back and forth like uh, using the parent trap song. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. here we are, you know, we're we're twins and I have a twin sister and her name is Lady Maga. And if you're not interested in those politics, I'm still here and you don't have to be interested. And I thought that would cover my bases, but it didn't. They, they I'm a garbage person. You're no longer welcome in the LGBTQ community. You'll never perform again. 
in Utah. You're disgusting. Hang yourself. They just mocked me. They shut down my events in Utah and um, tried to humiliate me. And people that I had helped through suicidal tendencies, birthday parties, gifts, they cut me off. And I really didn't see that coming. But I'm glad I came out of the closet a second time. And coming out as a Trump-supporting conservative drag queen was literally a thousand times more difficult than coming out as a gay Mormon. Because it was hard. People cried. You know, we're working through it. But yeah, no the one transfer ever... schools. I mean, yeah, that's a big life change. Yeah. and It's not just nope. a Facebook status, you know. <laughs> right. And nobody, nobody in the Mormon community when I came out, including my family, ever said, you're disgusting, you're garbage, hang yourself, kill yourself, you are, you are a traitor. I mean, all the things, I, and I, I definitely never received death threats when I came out as a gay Mormon. But coming out as a conservative drag queen was so ridiculously difficult. And to this day, I miss those friends. Like, I don't care if you're a liberal. I don't care if you like Bernie Sanders. I don't even care if you hate Trump. It's America. We have so much more in common than we don't have in common. And so I'm not going to lie. To this day, those those rejections and, and the loss of those special friendships that I had hurts my heart. You know, I look through my phone and on, you know, memories come up from a couple of years ago. And I just wonder how they're doing. And I wish that they would... Um, give me the same freedom that I give them. I really don't care if you hate Donald Trump, but they care that I supported Donald Trump and still do. And I'm a monster. I'm a Nazi. I'm a white supremacist. I'm a racist, everything that I truly am not, but that's what they assume. So when you assume you make an ass of you and me, and uh, that's ass meaning donkey Democrat, right? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I often wonder how the left was able to brand Trump that way because he never really did or said anything racist, sexist, or um, uh, homophobic explicitly. Oh. Now, he definitely has a, sh- a chauvinist attitude, right? So you could say that, you know, he's behaved in ways that are um, a, a little bombastic, you know, <laughs> with journalists and stuff. So I'm not discounting that, but the dude is never explicitly advocated for, you know, women staying in the kitchen or not being able to vote. He's never explicitly said anything associating race with inferiority or superiority um, or any number of things that we would consider to be traditionally bigoted. Um, uh, so how, how the hell did, why are they so convinced? And the voters, like they're really convinced that he is like this evil human being in terms of his character. And, you know, obviously he's not a saint, but he's not a Nazi. Like where, where are they getting this from? Well, we know exactly where they're getting it from. They're getting, um, specific quotes that have been cut in half or misrepresented like the whole they're fine people he was right he was simply talking about you know tearing down historical monuments and it's controversial and there are fine people on both sides with good intentions they have ran with that narrative uh this entire time and it's just a blatant lie and these people don't do their homework they don't go to youtube to watch 
the full speech. And all of the LGBTQIA++ people who think that President Trump wants them dead, and President Trump is such a homophobe and all of that. Um, I did an entire podcast called Debunking the Lies About the Trump Administration, specifically as it applies to uh, LGBT people. He was the most pro gay, pro-LGBT president in American history. He's the only one who entered office in who supported gay marriage. He's the only, and this is this is why it is such a lie that he hates LGBT people. He is the only president in American history to go in front of the United Nations, looking in the eyes of evil Middle Eastern leaders who would castrate, imprison, and torture somebody like me. He looked all of them in the eyes and says, we condemn the criminalization of homosexuality. We condemn the killing and torture of LGBT people across the globe. He did that. Nobody even knows that because it goes against their narrative. And they just have this, this Trump derangement syndrome where even if he cured cancer, they would call it racist and say he only wanted to cure cancer for white people. I mean, it's just, if you do any homework, if you just step outside of your, your, your Trump derangement bubble and watch a full speech, which none of them have ever done. They get the news on CNN or MSNBC where they show one clip and the lie about the insurrection. I mean, they're, they're, um, they're blind and it's so dangerous. And I, I honestly don't know what the solution is. I just tweeted, anybody who hates me on the left, come on my podcast. Let's have a yeah, healthy I saw that. Yeah, and a guy did. He's a Republican who left the Republican Party because of the uh, insurrection. And he resigned from working for DeSantis. And now he's a never Trump, never DeSantis Democrat. And he messaged me. I was like, hey, I'll debate you. And I was like, you know, what? we're just going to have a conversation as gentlemen. Um, I'll be in drag. So gentlemen, <laughs> you know, but we're just going to have a good discussion. He said, I'll have a lot of questions for you, too. And I'm like, bring it on. Let's do it. Let's just be civil because people like you and me. What, 80 percent of the time we live in an echo chamber? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm totally aware of that. And it, me, anyway. it, it, what we do is still important because we're motivating patriots, we're inspiring patriots, we're sharing the truth. But if we're always in an echo chamber, real change can never happen. It just yeah, can't. that's true. That's true. And I will say that you know the extent of my echo chamber is um, who I follow on social media, but my actual what I do outside of social media is very. Um, uh, very diverse. So I've actually read Karl Marx. <laughs> you know, I read the, I read Capital. I read the Communist Manifesto. I've explored Rules these ideas. Did you read? Yeah. Rules for no, I didn't read that. I didn't read that. Oh, Ooh, you got to read. It's their playbook, man. But of course, yeah. we should expose ourselves. And I told this guy, I said, if I don't question my stance, then there's no point in having a certain belief. You have to challenge it. So he might stump me. I mean he's obviously going to prepare and try and make me look like an ignorant, you know, flag waving Trump supporter. But if he genuinely stumps me, I'll be like, you know what? I'm going to look into that. I'm going to just call, just call him that. homophobic. I know. Right. I know. Homoph <laughs> That's homophobia, such a shortcut. <laughs> homophobia doesn't matter anymore. Homosexual men like myself have been erased 
decimated from the LGBTQ narrative. There's no such thing as, as us anymore. That's why you're, you're the privileged among the disadvantaged. Exactly. And white gay men have dominated this movement for so long with white supremacy and discrimination against black trans women of color. And it is time for the white gay men to step down and start putting black trans women of color in the forefront. That's why they changed the flag. I mean, you've seen the new flag. It's like there, there's yeah, no rainbow, yeah. which represented yeah, it's like, everybody. It's like, a, it's like a, it's like a seizure risk. If you look at it, you might have a seizure. They should give a warning. Absolutely. So <laughs> it's like Ariel Scarcella. She's a lesbian woman. And she says, I've been erased. We as just regular old fashioned gay people, we have been erased, but it's because the billion dollar transgender medication industry, the hormone therapy industry is soon going to reach billions and billions of dollars. And Everybody knows, you and I know, that if you got some gay neighbors, some lesbian neighbors, it's no big deal. Nobody even cares. It's actually good for your home value. I mean, well, st- statistics show over oh, and over yeah. again that when gay people move into an area, it immediately all the values go up. When the white <laughs> when the white supremacist, white gay men gentrify a neighborhood, it literally transforms. And you got boutiques, you got a little cupcake mm-hmm. shop, you got a little interior decorating <laughs> place, the yards are clean, property values go up. But anyway, everybody knows that gay and lesbian and bisexual people, there's no persecution. In fact, we have the upper hand. We have special treatment because the legislation for hate crimes makes it so that if you and me are walking down the street and we both get murdered, one murder is a hate crime and one isn't. So tell me I don't have the upper hand. Right. Right. Well, and and, and the thing, the whole gay rights movement was... Hey, we just want to get married. <laughs> like, you know, and, and, and all these asks that are happening now in the community and the LGBTQI, whatever community, um, uh, are way beyond giving people the right to do what they want with their own lives. And they're going into things like, we want you to pay for these operations. We want you to pay for our kids to have these operations. Uh, it's, it's like, wait, 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 wait. Like, the, you know, if you want to get married, that makes sense. There was actually a good argument for, you know, people should be able to marry whoever they want. That was that was the gay rights movement. That was what the whole yeah. Pride Parade stuff started. It was like, let us get married. We're in love, you know. Yeah. And, and it's gotten so far beyond that where it's almost just like a branding uh, t- uh, trick. Where they're trying to brand any opposition as just bigoted. It's a very deliberate effort to create a new victim narrative. And the new victim narrative is transgender people, specifically transgender children. So by creating mm-hmm. this new victim narrative, organizations like the Human Rights Campaign and GLAAD and the Democrat Party, they are able to present themselves as the caring, loving saviors of this new victim narrative. The reality is there is no victim narrative there. They're creating it because they're telling simple little kids who might grow up gay. You like pink time for castration. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the crazy thing to me about it is, you know, political parties, traditionally speaking, don't, um, don't care about minorities, minority groups. And, uh, and it's because the whole point of a political party is to get the majority of votes, right? So parties are inherently trying to get as much support as possible, right? And 
the fact that you see the Democrats advocating so much on behalf of the trans community, it's not because they want the trans vote, because the trans vote itself is very inconsequential. It's because they want to shame the opposition and turn people off supporting the opposition or make people on the opposition feel guilty about their views so that they might switch, right? So this whole entire thing is not about actually supporting the trans community. It's about condemning anyone who isn't uh, uh, totally on, on board with the party narrative. Yeah, it's about us virtue signaling and presenting mm-hmm. ourselves like us, the Democrats, presenting right. themselves as the moral saviors and organizations like the Human Rights Campaign and GLAD, they realize, oh, no, we're not going to get funding for talking about gays and lesbians anymore. What can we do to continue our multi-million dollar nonprofit organizations? And it's mm-hmm. presenting children who are crying Uh, presenting young teenagers who are crying, saying, let me be who I want to be. And it's just the most predatorial, terrifying movement in in the history of the United States. Because they're going after kids like I was. I've always loved Barbie. I've always been light on my feet. I've always just been like this kind of girly kid. (laughs) And they, um, they would take a child like me today and tell me, you are in the wrong body. And if I went to a psychiatrist and I've spoken to doctors who have been forced to deny science. And if a doctor just tells that little kid who's probably just gay, oh, you know, I think that maybe you're not in the wrong body. Maybe we just need to kind of work around the idea that you're a boy who loves pink. You're a boy who loves Barbie and Cinderella. Like, we'll talk about that, but you're, you're probably not in the wrong body. It is now becoming illegal for them mm-hmm. to say that. They must push the transgender narrative medically and legally. I talked to a doctor at a Republican convention and he said, I have been forced to deny science and sign documents in order to keep my license. You know, things like men can have children, erasing the erasing the biological realities of men and women in conversations. And it's just it's ludicrous and it breaks my heart because I was one of those kids that today would have been told I'm in the wrong body. And they always emotionally blackmail conservatives. They emotionally blackmail medical professionals and say, if you don't agree with our interpretation of transgender children, you are responsible for their suicides. And they always throw the transgender youth suicides, uh, suicide narrative out there. And it's a form of emotional blackmail. Why are they suicidal? Why are they killing themselves? Because they were told you're in the wrong body. And I cannot imagine anything more difficult and traumatizing at age 9 to 14 to 17 than believing my fingers, my brain, my my legs, my, my genitalia. I am a mistake. Everything about me is wrong. So I have to take these hormones. And we all know that hormonal imbalances cause emotional turmoil. And if I'm a young 14 year old with raging hormones, cause I'm going through my male puberty and they try to stop that puberty with estrogen and these dangerous irreversible drugs, of course I'm going to end up emotionally distraught and suicidal, but you can't even talk about that. You can't even mention the consequences. And my transgender friends who are Trump supporting conservatives, they try, like we've testified at the Utah state legislature. We've made videos about 
women's sports and trans procedures on children. And these adult transgender people explain the realities of how traumatizing it is, whether you're a child or an adult, to actually go through this process. They chose to deal with the trauma of going through the process, but they're honest about it. They went through suicidal times. It's very difficult. And if you're an adult, you know, you got to do what you got to do. Just don't ask me to pay for it. And if you want me to call you, Caitlin, God bless you. You know, you're doing your best in life. And if that's what you want to do as an adult, that's okay. But children up until the age 18 are incapable of giving informed consent. They're allowed Mm -hmm. to alter their genitalia before they're even legally allowed to have sex or get a tattoo. It's so scary. And so um, that's, that's one of the motivating factors that I, that I think of when I'm going out there, because I get a lot of messages from closeted gay conservatives. Um, one of them was a teenager who said, hey, I'm 16 years old and my parents are leftists and I don't agree with them. And so by seeing you being out there, being, you know, a flamboyant gay guy who talks common sense, I want to know how much you've inspired me. And that actually gives me a lot of hope because he That's was awesome. going against his leftist parents. It wasn't a gay kid rebelling against, right? you know, his right wing bigoted parents. It well, was- I've made the joke before that conservatives don't care if their kids are gay as long as they're never journalists. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. And conservatives, <laughs> yeah. on, they do not care. They all have a gay brother gay son, gay cousin, and their hearts are hurting because they believe that that family member often believes that uh, you hate me. And so at Mm -hmm. every single rally I've been to, every single event, I always have mothers come up to me and spill their heart to me saying, please talk to me of how I can relate to my gay son or my transgender whatever, because they feel like I hate them. And, you know, how can I deal with this? Conservatives are not evil homophobes. They're just uh, realistic about some of the consequences of the LGBTQIA plus radicalism. And um, so that's why I do what I do. Well, you know? I, I think the conservative party as a whole, the, the Republican Party, rather, because there are conservatives who aren't Republicans. But I think that the Republican Party is shifting from, th- you know, a time 30 years ago where it was very... Um, evangelically evangelical um, in its in its backing and you know obviously the evangelicals are still republicans but i think the party has moved from like a moral dogmatism to toward um, a freedom emphasis and i think that's why you don't really hear republicans making any complaints about whether or not to you don't hear the gay marriage argument anymore it's just it's done it's it's that it's over so it's voting for a republican is not going to infringe on gay rights we don't care it, you know now we're worried about things like taxes and the second amendment and you know whether or not we're going to be allowed to go to church because of a fake pandemic <laughs> you know uh, exactly but that's why the lgbtqia plus gestapo pushes this transgender narrative and conservatives are speaking out against the transgender narrative and I'm not going to say that I don't have my detractors on the right. There are people who just really hate me. And they tried to humiliate me once at a rally in D.C. That was the one and only time. It was Nick Fuentes and his minions and whatever. Ooh. Free speech, go for it. I don't care. But they were all just chanting shame at me. So there is a tiny fraction of the the so-called conservative community who still uh, hates gay people. But what I want people to understand is the reason y'all hate me 
is because you think that I'm part of the LGBTQIA radicalism that's trying to make it illegal for you to have your viewpoints in your church. But they are a small, very vocal minority. But like you just said, my concern is not gay issues. And as far as gay marriage is concerned, I take a libertarian stance. And I think the government shouldn't be involved in marriage at all. It never should have been a debate whether I can legally marry someone with the with the government's approval. No, I can go to a church and make my arrangements. But we're at a point where our Constitution, free speech, our Second Amendment, our border, our security, these are things that unless they are protected, we can't even have a debate about gay marriage. We can't even have a debate about anything, especially free speech. It's the most terrifying time in American history because our own president was deplatformed. Like, I'm not, I'm not, you know, the president, but I got kicked off of Instagram with 15,000 followers. And you got kicked off Instagram? Oh, yep. What I, happened? Uh, they said that I was impersonating someone else. I know people were reporting me, reporting me for hate speech and whatever they were, but mm-hmm. eventually they said you're impersonating someone else. And I even sent in my photo ID, everything to prove that it was me, but they still they still deleted it. And so, um, did they respond to the appeal or did they just ignore it? They responded and then the account was deleted without actually really interacting with me. But that's just one tiny example of, um, the cancel culture that, and free speech. I was fired from Delta airlines. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. I was a flight attendant for eight years. Well, like seven years and and what can you say? It has its ups and downs. Yeah. But they fired me. (laughs) They opened their investigation on January 7th. <laughs> Has its ups and downs. Like it. Yes. <laughs> but I'm not, I refuse to give up. I will fly to new heights. So, so, so why, why did they fire you? Um, officially, they said that I violated their uh, social media policy. And they opened an investigation on me on January 7th, the day after the so-called insurrection, which I have proof here in Utah. What's his name? Um Sullivan, the kid, uh, he was he was an instigator. He was wearing a Trump hat. He broke property. He's from oh, here. The, yeah, yeah, I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah. The, um, and yeah. he's, he's even like the head of a nonprofit called Insurrection America or something, oh, right? But he's an Antifa and, dude. And he's totally Antifa. He has destroyed property. He's a domestic yeah. terrorist. But he... He's sitting pretty because he sold his footage to CNN and other organizations. No, I think they, I think they finally arrested him. I'm not sure if that's. I think he might be facing charges. I think he's free again. I'm not sure. I haven't really. really you, you could be right. I don't know either. But the whole narrative. That's why my investigation began on January seventh. Because were you in DC on the sixth? I was. Yeah, but I was 15 okay. miles away from the Capitol, and I was, I was like hanging out and dancing with Vietnamese for Trump. We were. Because there's this thing called what's it called Liberty, Liberty Bridge or something. It's this huge float with like the Statue of Liberty and all this stuff, and they were just blasting patriotic music. And I was on yeah. my way to the Capitol. I didn't see President Trump's speech, but I knew people would be gathering, so I was on my way, not knowing what was happening there. But I stopped to take pictures with people, and then I just became like best friends with the Vietnamese for Trump. And I was dancing. I tr- I put my phone away, and I did. Were not you in full drag? Yeah, yep. Big white dress. It was great. Oh, man. Those pictures of you in the Capitol, if you would have gone in. Oh, exactly. But I wouldn't have. I would have. <laughs> I know. Been, I know. This is ridiculous. Well, I feel I bad, though, because I, I. 
I think some people actually thought they were it was okay because you know on some sections of the property, I think the cops were opening the gates. I feel bad for those people who just sort of naively meandered in after the fact. Not some people, most people. They were not stopping them. We've all right. seen the video of the crazy guy with the horns and his shirt off walking right in with the police just chilling, relaxing. Yeah. There's so much more to what happened on that day than than we've been told by mainstream media. Anyway, I had nothing to do with it. I can prove it. Like I was Did I the was, FBI ever call you? No, because there's no reason to call me. I never even posted about it. I was I know, but they've they've been calling people any they've been calling influencers that were like in the vicinity. They they never contacted me. I have a friend who is in jail. Oh, right? I'm sorry to hear that. He's um you might know who he is, Cash Kelly. He's an amazing influencer, handsome black guy. He's just he was so powerful and he happened to be there. And of course we know that Brandon Strzok, the director oh, yeah, I know. of the walkaway campaign, I don't think he's in jail, but they have just harassed him deplatformed him so just like with him um delta finally had in my opinion they finally had a legitimate excuse to go after the dangerous radicals they showed right. me pictures of me at rallies way back in november with patriots who are open carrying why did you take this picture explain this and i'm like i was supporting the constitutional second amendment and I was taking pictures with these macho guys and me a drag queen to show diversity within America and to represent that we all have to come together to support our constitution. Next, They were just worried they were going to get a PR nightmare for being associated with you. That's what they were doing. They were, they were like, oh, my God, this is it's only it's a ticking time bomb before it goes viral. That lady MAGA is uh, um, a Delta Airlines flight attendant. You know, I hadn't really thought of that. Maybe that was their fear. But yeah. The- the first question they asked me was, have you ever associated or identified yourself on your social media as a Delta flight attendant? And I said, categorically, absolutely not, because I'm a professional. I completely separate it. That is my personal life that I would never, ever mix with mm-hmm. um, Delta Airlines. And I never did. And if anybody asked me what my job was, I'd say, I pour drinks and I work in customer service to know yeah yeah they, they fired they fired you because they were worried about the pr backlash man i'm sorry that you had to experience that well it it, it ain't over until stacy abrams sings let's just say that <laughs> fat lady <laughs> no i didn't say that <laughs> i think i would just love to see her sing you know with her big smile and her- honestly she she looks like she could really belt I'm, that's seriously what I mean. that's what i mean i'm hoping that she releases an album because britney's retiring so i need a new star why not stacy you should run for governor of utah <sighs> oh you know what a lot of people because i am like i after getting kicked off of instagram and my social media is so shadow banned i realized mm-hmm. you know what this is great because i don't i don't i shouldn't care so much about national politics and presidential politics and reaching mass audiences, I need to get my butt in gear right here in Utah. And that's what I did. Now I'm president of Log Cabin Republicans, Utah. I know about House Bill 302, House Bill 92, all of the COVID restrictions, the unconstitutional sheriffs who uh, did not support the constitution. I'm in touch with our patriot community testifying up on Capitol Hill. And 
that's that's a wonderful thing. So um, a lot of people are like, you should run for office in Utah. And I, I, maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just lazy, but I could not sit in a cubicle being a fake politician with other fake politicians all day long. My role is activism, artistry, fun, all of that. I could not bring myself to sit through those meetings as a public office holder. I would rather just go out and campaign and support um, the people who are, who are, cut out for that i'm a drag just queen. just on, but yeah. you could just troll them just run win and then resign immediately day one <laughs> you know i you know tro- running for the purpose of trolling um i feel like that'd be kind of unethical but at the yeah same well time, depends it depends on the intention of the troll like sometimes people need to be trolled you know <laughs> like what? it's a you know it's a good thing sometimes it's just ridiculous or maybe but. just kind of run for run for something that's a little less significant but i will say this in utah because of all the rallies i've gone to and events that i've organized uh we just did the freedom fighter awards where we had like mm-hmm. this whole ceremony to replace the oscars and we gave them um beautiful statue of liberty statues and we honored the number one influencers and patriots here in utah so I am well connected enough that if I decided to do that, it would be it could be successful. But right now I'm scrubbing toilets to make ends meet, a little house cleaning in the interim. I have plans for my own um, career things going on, but this time I'm just going to keep it completely private because they'll try to cancel anything. If I got a job at McDonald's, they would try to cancel me from McDonald's. Uh, I guess it's the price of being a public figure, but for right now, I'm proud to say I'm scrubbing toilets and I'm working hard and I'm making ends meet as I figure out the next chapter of my life. And at first I was devastated, but then I just thought, stop crying. You're an American. This is America. Scrub toilets, figure things out, save some money, go into a new career and you'll be fine. But the depression mm-hmm. is real. Like I love being yeah, I know. I'm sorry that you went through that, but bad things always end up being good things if you can stick it out. Hopefully, hopefully it, I, it will. It'll. I, you're gonna be okay, and you could get a job at any other airline. I bet. No, I would never. They're all woke. Uh, yeah, I don't they know. Are, I bet you no, could they find all one. have similar. Po- Trust me. Why don't, you should just get hired as a flight attendant on um, Trump's uh, personal jet. You know, I looked into uh, private jets. Um, well, that okay. If, tr- if if I get that gig. I would definitely do it, um, 100%. But private jet, you're on call, like, all the time. You never know when you're going to fly. And I'm trying to do things so that I can do my new job, which I'm working on. Not scrubbing toilets. That's just for a time. Uh, I want to do my new job, like, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then be able to dedicate evenings and Thursday and Friday to video editing or events or rallies or speaking um, all those kinds of things. So I'll figure it out. I've, yeah, I've let will. go of the fear. I've let go of the trauma. I was in bed for a time, just crying all the time. And like, oh my gosh, it's the worst thing that ever happened. But in the end, I have just had a huge slice of humble pie and realized that you really can't count on anything in life except your faith and the the people who love you and nothing is forever. And so... It's just been a great humbling experience, a very difficult humbling experience because I love being a flight attendant. I think you can tell with my personality. I loved it. You, you like to be around people. 
oh, I'd always take care of my little old ladies. And most flight attendants don't even give out the wings, even though we get them on every flight. I'd always give the wings to the kids, you know. You guys still get the wings? Yeah. I've been dying for a set of wings. I know. They never do it because most flight attendants. Yeah, do, you have, do you have any at home? Um, I I think I do have a few left over, but most flight attendants. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you my address. You better send me those wings, all right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, literally, I will. I, I'm sure I've got it. You can have one of my pairs, the real ones. <laughs> Just don't give me your last one. Yeah. No, it was. But, but anyway, I loved it. Um, and I, and I miss the beautiful flight attendant community that I was part of. Mm -hmm. They Um, seem like a, like a little fraternity kind of, you know, it's like a, yeah, it's a support network and the majority of Delta flight attendants are just wonderful people. And it's a career that people stay in, um, for a long time. I said, most flight attendants are lazy. That actually is not true. I would say the majority of flight attendants I flew with were professional, crisp, uh, wonderful people. It takes a certain type of person to become a flight attendant. You really have to love people and you have to, you know, go forward. So when I say lazy, I just mean a lot of them don't give out the wings. Most of them don't. And I would always mm-hmm. try to go above and beyond. And I actually would view, cause I was always in charge, the one doing the announcements and welcoming yeah. people in front of the plane. And I would actually just visualize our flight as a Disney ride. So with that, like, I don't like Disney anymore, but that like hospitable, happy, magical experience. It is magic. We're flying in the sky. I still don't understand how airplanes do it. Like it's a miracle. So I loved it. Well, I'm sorry that you went through that, but um, just know that it's going to be okay. And if you ever need anything from me, let me know. I'm here for you. I, I promise. It. I mean that. I'm not just saying that because we're on air or anything like that. If you need something, just let me know. Okay. Well, I really appreciate that. I just need help getting my message out there because yeah. I'm, I'm shadow banned. And if anybody does want to like sign up for a monthly contribution, like five bucks or whatever on my website, they can do that through PayPal subscribe. And I have like 35 people who've signed up. And so I figure if I keep producing content and I keep fighting, then if a lot of people donate, five bucks a month then they don't feel it but i would eventually feel it and that way right. i could dedicate more time to um activism with whatever new job that i'm that i'm planning so yeah but yeah I'll well I'll, I'll make sure to share the links to all that in the show notes as well so that people can click right through yeah and absolutely. um everybody who watches chase i i i did a little stalking of your channel all of the issues that he is covering are so critically important. And I know there's a lot of influencers out there in the conservative movement who do really fun little edited videos, uh, you know, man on the street stuff. And we need all of that. But somebody like Chase, who actually takes the time to have these in-depth conversations like we are right now, is critical. So please share his content. Um, Tell people to follow what he's doing because... We live in a world of TikTok and Instagram and Twitter where videos and messages are getting smaller and smaller and shorter and shorter. And that is very harmful overall for us as people. So please uh, watch all of the other videos that Chase is. Where are you located? I'm in Austin, Texas. Oh, night. Oh. No, no, no. It's okay. Better, better a blue city and a red state than a red city and a blue state. Yeah, and I was in Austin, and I was driving around thinking, this is Texas. 
seriously, I had never seen so many Black Lives Matter flags. Well, you can still have an AR, even if you're in Austin, Texas. (laughs) God bless you. God bless you. I was cleaning it after the 4th of July. We went shooting. That's why it's right there. It's so critical. The Second Amendment is the only reason we haven't um, lost all of our freedoms. And that's why they're attacking it right and left. And that's why I took pictures of people with guns. Not because I support an insurrection, not because right. I support violence, but I support. And the funny thing is um, some of those guys who took pictures with me with guns, they were members of the Loud Boys. I'll just say Loud Boys so we don't get deplatformed. And um, I was over on a bench, like on my phone, taking a break from Lady Maga taking pictures. And I was... Um, checking my text messages and these guys were like right over there with their big guns. And I was like, Hey guys, what's up? Why what? rallies over there? And they were like, yeah. Hey man, we're just making sure you're safe. Cause you went over here by yourself. That's cool. Yeah. That's be cool. yeah look, those be guys on. have been uh, very, um, it's unfortunate what's happened to them in terms of how they've been branded. Um, grant, and granted they're rough around the edges, but I, I think it's charming. <laughs> I, I, I think they're amazing. And isn't it funny? These evil, homophobic, right-wing, far-right radicals walked away from the rally and didn't even talk to me. They just stood about 20 feet away because they were worried that I'm, I'm over here in this costume and I might be hurt. So, you know, right. and that's conservatives everywhere. I've been to Trump rallies. I've been to everything. And conservative people are loving and kind and diverse and willing to be like hey we don't really get why you're dressed up but thank you for supporting the constitution thank you for supporting president trump it's just been a beautiful journey and i've gained i've gained a true community i thought the lgbt world was where i belonged but i never really was fully at home and now that I have this patriot community and even people like you talking to me, I've never felt so accepted, tolerated, or loved ever in my life. So I'm grateful. I'm, I'm just grateful to God that I've had this experience and my mom and dad are in heaven. And I know that they are just orchestrating little miracles right and left. So I'm done crying and I'm just expecting good miracles to come my way. Maybe I'll be Donald Trump's last <laughs> That's right. There you oh go. my god! Like, hey so, man, I'm gonna put it out there in the universe. Be like, you know what? The oh yeah. Ultimate karma would be to be a private flight attendant for Donald Trump. <laughs> oh, and I would be the best. And I could show yeah. Melania, my Melania, my Melania uh, replica outfit that I had made, and just like. Oh, talk you have a Melania that. replica? Yeah. If you go to any of my social media, I have Twitter. Yeah. By the way, where where can people find you? I want to make sure that we get that uh, in there. Just if you just uh, go to Lady Maga USA. Com. All of my social media links are on there. And if you just look on Twitter, YouTube, or Facebook and just search Lady Maga USA, you can find me on there. And then my podcast is all over the place, like uh, Amazon and Apple and uh, Spotify and all that. But but LadyMagaUSA.com is kind of a one-stop shop where people can uh, find out where I'm at. And I finally completed that website because I know... My time on YouTube and Facebook and uh, Twitter is is risky. Limited. You never know. You never know. 
Well, thank you so much for coming on. It's really been a joy to have you. And uh, let's definitely uh, make an effort to stay in touch. Absolutely. Come see us here in Utah. It's America's most magical state. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) 